Chapter 6 of Frostiana. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Skating. In giddy circles whirling variously, the skater fleetly threads the mazy throng. Trust not incautiously the smooth expanse, for oft a treacherous thaw ere yet perceived saps by degrees the solid seeming mass. The winter of England usually allows but few of those pastimes which continue for so long a period in more northerly regions. On blithesome frolics bent the youthful swains, while every work of man is laid at rest, fond o'er the river crowd in various sports, and revelry dissolved where mixing glad, happiest of all the train, the raptured boy lashes the whirling top, or where the Rhine branches out in many a long canal extends, from every province swarming void of care. Batavia rushes forth, and as they sweep on sounding skates a thousand different ways, or circular poise swift as the wind along, the then gay land is maddened all to joy, nor less the northern courts wide o'er the snow pour a new pomp eager on rapid sleds. Their vigorous youth in bold contention wheel the long resounding course, meantime to raise the manly strife with high-blooming charms. Flushed by the season, Scandinavia's dames or Russia's buxom daughters glow around. Much of the above description, however, has for these few weeks past been realised by the busy crowds assembled on our principal rivers and reservoirs. The canal in St. James's Park, the Serpentine, and the noble Thames rivers still daily present to our observation a delightful spectacle, a complete frost fair to which the pencil of a Teniers or a Wilkie could alone do justice. The compiler of this work has been highly gratified with seeing the number of young persons engaged in the active and healthful employment of skating, and from a view to their improvement in this useful and elegant art, he has collected together some valuable information on the subject, which he offers to the notice of his young friends, accompanied by his best wishes for the success of his instructions. These, if attended to, cannot fail the making of an elegant and fearless skater. Origin of Skating Although the ancients were remarkable for their dexterity in most of the athletic sports, yet skating seems to have been unknown to them. According to the antiquaries, this exercise made its appearance in the 13th century. It probably derived its origin in Holland, where it was practiced not only as a graceful and elegant amusement, but as an expeditious mode of travelling when the lakes and canals were frozen up during winter. In Holland, long journeys are made upon skates with ease and expedition, but in general, less attention is there paid to graceful and elegant movements than to the expedition and celerity of what is called journey skating. It is only in those countries where it is considered as an amusement that its graceful attitudes and movements can be studied, and there is no exercise whatever better calculated to set off the human figure to advantage. The acquirement of most exercises may be attained at an advanced period of life, but to become an expert skater it is necessary to begin the practice of the art at a very early age. It is difficult to reduce the art of skating to a system. It is principally by the imitation of a good skater that a young beginner can form his own practice. The English, though often remarkable for feats of agility upon skates, are very deficient in gracefulness, which is partly owing to the construction of the skates. They are too much curved in the surface which embraces the ice, Consequently, they involuntarily bring the users of them round on the outside upon a quick and small circle, whereas the skater, by using skates of a different construction, less curved, has the command of his stroke, and can enlarge or diminish the circle according to his own wish or desire. Rules for learners Those who wish to be proficients should begin at an early period of life, and should first endeavour to throw off the fear which always attends the commencement of an apparently hazardous amusement. They will soon acquire a facility of moving on the inside, 
When they have done this, they must endeavour to acquire the movement on the outside of the skates, which is nothing more than throwing themselves upon the outer edge of the skate, and making the balance of their body tend towards that side, which will necessarily enable them to form a semicircle. In this, much assistance may be derived from placing a bag of lead shot in the pocket next to the foot employed in making the outside stroke, which will produce an artificial poise of the body. This afterwards will become natural by practice. At the commencement of the outside stroke, the knee of the employed limb should be a little bent, and gradually brought to a rectilineal position when the stroke is completed. The following rules should also be carefully practiced and strictly attended to. They will be of the greatest service. 1. When the practitioner becomes expert in forming the semicircle with both feet, he is then to join them together and proceed progressively and alternately with both feet, which will carry him forward with a graceful movement. 2. Care should be taken to use very little muscular exertion, for the impelling motion should proceed from the mechanical impulse of the body thrown into such a position as to regulate the stroke. 3. At taking the outside stroke, the body ought to be thrown forward easily, the unemployed limb kept in a direct line with the body, and the face and eyes directly looking forward. The unemployed foot ought to be stretched towards the ice, with the toes in a direct line with the leg. 4. In the time of making the curve, the body must be gradually and almost imperceptibly raised, and the unemployed limb brought in the same manner forward, so that, at finishing the curve, the body will bend a small degree backward, and the unemployed foot will be about two inches before the other, ready to embrace the ice and form a correspondent curve. 5. The muscular movement of the whole body must correspond with the movement of the skate, and should be regulated so as to be almost imperceptible to the spectators. 6. Particular attention should be paid in carrying round the head and eyes with a regular and imperceptible motion, for nothing so much diminishes the grace and elegance of skating as sudden jerks and exertions, which are so frequently used by the generality of skaters. 7. The management of the arms likewise deserves attention. There is no mode of disposing of them more gracefully in skating outside than folding the hands into each other or using a muff. There are various feats of activity and manoeuvres used upon skates, but they are so various that we cannot pretend to detail them. Moving on the outside is the primary object for a skater to attain, and when he becomes an adept in that, he will easily acquire a facility in executing other branches of the art. There are few exercises but will afford him hints of elegant and graceful attitudes. For example, nothing can be more beautiful than the attitude of drawing the bow and arrow while the skater is making a large circle on the outside. The manual exercise and military salutes have likewise a pretty effect when used by an expert skater. Skating is an amusement well calculated for the severity of winter, as it contributes to promote both insensible perspiration and the circulation of the blood. Hence, a society has even been formed in Edinburgh under the name of the Skating Club, the avowed object of which is the improvement of this recreation so as to reduce it to the rules of art. Excellence, however, can be attained only by observing the motions of a skilful skater. This innocent pursuit, especially in the south of Britain where the winters are generally mild, should not be encouraged unless the ice be of considerable thickness. At the same time, some precaution is necessary to retire from this enticing diversion in proper time, because the body, being thrown into sensible perspiration, is thus rendered more susceptible of cold, and unless due attention be paid to this circumstance, a cold will probably be the consequence. We have heard that some skaters in the fens of Cambridgeshire and Huntingdonshire have skated two miles in two minutes, the strokes on an average being each ten yards. This velocity exceeds that of most racehorses, and the fatigue occasioned by it is much less.
A very remarkable skating feat is said to have taken place during the late frost. A Mr. Maxwell, celebrated for his skill and dexterity in this useful art, skated from Longacre to St. James's Park in 4 minutes and 50 seconds. This was for a wager, and the given time was 5 minutes. To the native of Holland, skating is quite as familiar as walking, and he puts on his skates with the same indifference as we do our shoes. These instruments, indeed, are indispensable to the Dutch in the winter season, and are used by men, women, and children constantly. The women skate to market with provisions, and children of five or six years old and upwards accompany them, not lazily hanging at their backs or on their arms, but each little skater with winged feet flies after its mother, and carries a little basket of eggs or other articles along with it. Interesting scene. How admirably adapted are the manners and customs of mankind to the climates appointed for them by Providence. Skating is pursued in England as an amusement only, and for a single week perhaps in the course of the year, but in Holland it is absolutely necessary, and supplies a cheap and commodious method of transport to all classes of people. The Dutch skates are not so finely shaped as those we use, and the skaters are more remarkable for the ease than elegance of their execution. End of Frostiana by George Davis Recording by Lewis Fletcher